Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I am the host of the Sendcast. We started this podcast a few years ago as there was a lack of CPD around SEND. All staff in schools need training and support around SEND, but this isn't really possible with the funding available. The Sendcast is our way to try and help solve that problem, to help all teachers to be teachers of SEND and to help support staff be more aware of SEND. The Sendcast is also a great way to get that same consistent messages to parents and schools. Every week on the Sendcast, we have a guest on to talk about something they are passionate about. My guest this week is Ginny Bootman. Ginny is currently a Senko of two primary schools in Northamptonshire. And Ginny's come along to talk about how to promote positive homeschool relationships through an empathy-based approach. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. Over the last 25 years, we have supported schools to support students with SEND. We help schools show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. Over the last few years, we've started to deliver high-quality, easy-to-access training in CPD for schools around SEND. We launched Training for Education two years ago with the Virtual Send Conference, and we now have an amazing lineup of speakers who have delivered sessions at our conferences or they've developed their own training courses. You can find out more about our conferences and our training courses and who delivers them by going to the Training for Education website, www.trainingforeducation.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be sharing an exclusive Sendcast discount code, so keep listening. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing using an empathy-based approach to help build positive homeschool relationships. My guest today is Ginny Bootman. Ginny is currently a Senko of two primary schools, but has been a teacher for a very long time. That's her words, not mine. A senior manager and a teacher. She's also found time to write articles for TES and speak at a number of events. Welcome to the show, Ginny. Good morning, Dale. So schools and parents don't always get on, do they? No, they don't. There's a whole number of reasons why they don't get on. And it's very, very complex and really, really intertwined. And I think it becomes even more complex when parents have got children who have got additional needs. Um, because there can often be a history behind there. And parents, obviously, when their children have got additional needs, actually can put up barriers. And I think they want the best for their child now. They want the best for their child in the future. And in my experience, sometimes we do get parents coming to see us where the children have been in a different setting. And they are now in a very difficult situation where they are moving their child from one setting to another. And so they come to us as a school, and I hope they go around lots of different schools, and they are questioning us. They are trying to find out if we are the right school for their child. And they need to know about whether they can connect with us. They need to know yep. whether they trust us. And that first meeting is pivotal. Yeah, definitely. Because you, you that first meeting, it's that first impressions do make the biggest thing. So if you walk in and they're a bit too busy, that's a bit immediate no-no. There's just lots of little things which you don't even realise. As someone who's been into lots of schools, there are lots of little signs which just make you go, hmm. Not even actually talking to them, just walking in the school or maybe just the way a few couple of things just make you go, interesting. Before you've even said anything or they've said anything, you've already got a bit of a judgment going on. And it's so important when parents come through the door, in normal times, I may even offer them a cup of tea. Because do you know yep. what? We want to connect. We want to connect. There's this amazing triangle that I've learned about recently, the Logos, Pathos, Ethos Triangle. And it really, really lends itself to initial meetings with parents and actually any meetings with parents. So when we're looking at it, for, for people who aren't aware of it, imagine that you've got that first meeting with some parents. They've come in, you've welcomed them, 
They know that they have got your undivided attention. That is so important, Dale, that they know that you are giving them your time. They come in and we have to read them. And if they come in and they're coming in very logically, and this is how, how I, I read it, in a logos way, they're the parents who come in with the information. Do you know what I mean, Dale? They come in with the folder or the information and actually yep. they are gauging immediately what you do with that information. And actually what I do is I take the folder off them and I say, would you like me to look at this now? And they immediately will say either, yes, please, that would be great, Ginny. That's another thing about I let them call me Ginny if they want to and I find out their names or the way they want to be addressed. They're little things, but they make the big difference. So they come in and I say, do you want me to look? And I remember once a parent said, um, yes, I've got an educational psychologist report. Can you just have a look at that? I said, yeah. And I looked at it and I said, right, okay, I'll look at the percentiles. This is what it's just telling me in the first instance. Dale, their shoulders went down. I said, yeah. And then I said, well, just put that down for now. Okay. Other parents who come in, they are so emotional. They are in the part of the triangle that is pathos, the emotional response. And actually, we need to gauge that, don't we? Actually, they're in an emotional state. I'm not going to start talking paperwork, logic with them. I'm going to get into the same pathway as them, and I'm going to let them tell me their story. I'm going to let them get the emotion out. And I sometimes think of it a bit like when you have a balloon and it's inflated and you have to let all the air come out of the balloon and we have to listen and we have to listen. And they tell us all of that and they appreciate it because we are listening to that. And then the other part is the ethos. Have you ever been, everyone listening, in that situation where someone comes through the door and they want to know who you are, what you've done, have you ever had any experience of an EHCP? Do you know about this particular condition or about their child? But then we can go to the other parts of the triangle as well and go, yes, I have got experience of this. Or to be perfectly honest, I actually don't know much about this, but I'll find out. And that is absolutely key. There is a transparency. When those people come through the door, there's a transparency and they go, actually, I trust this person and I believe this person will do the best for my child. So that triangle, the, the logos, pathos, ethos triangle, I think is really, really important. And we need to actually have that in our mind and go, actually, where is this parent at this moment? And parents can change in the meeting, I believe. Yes, they will. Yeah. You sent this over in the notes before the show, Jenny, and I was reading about this last night and I've put a link to this. And the link I found, I was trying to find a really educational one, but the one I saw wasn't great. So I found one which is to do with business and jobs, but it's the same approach, works in every situation. So a couple of things, I'm just going to um, pull out a couple of things which make a big difference. So the first one, and as I said, someone who travels around schools, um, you never like a dry school where you arrive at a school, you're going to be there for two hours and no one offers you a drink. Always a bad start. And sometimes it's really easy to do. And I, sometimes, sometimes that person, I've literally, I've been greeted by a person, I've spent the entire time with the person and they haven't really thought. So other times, this is where it's, it can be easy to miss. So this is where you've got to be aware is if someone greets them and then someone says, oh, can you bring them down to my office? They kind of assume the other person's done the drink. Because sometimes I, I, I sit in the waiter room and the person goes, oh, would you like a cup of tea? And within two minutes of me being in the school, I'm being handed a cup of tea. So although I've got to wait, I've got a cup of tea and I'm comfy. And then there are times where I don't get that, but then the person I next go to has assumed I've been given a cup of tea. So yeah, dry school, not a good start. Cup of tea, biscuits, even better. If you go to Glasgow, there's a great school up there, which brings out a tonics platter. It's lovely. So the first one is that the second one you mentioned, I've seen this so many times, parents' names. 
not referring to the mum and dad. I see this all over Twitter that it's just the biggest bugbear of so mum. Um, so that's immediately, that sounds like I don't, I'm not actually interested in learning your name. I'm not going to spend that much effort on you. I'm just going to call you mum. So it's, it's a really little thing, but it is a giant thing to that parent. It is huge. I'm on Twitter at Senko Girl, and I happen to be part of some tweets about this. And Dale, you are so right. The fact that we can inadvertently put a barrier up by referring to parents, mum, dad, grandma, granddad. And the responses on Twitter from other Senkos were like, oh, my goodness me. Never realised. I never, ever realised. So when I go into meetings, and it's up to the Senko, but I say, you know, you can call me Ginny, and some people want to be referred to by their full name, and that's absolutely fine. But I think it's, once again, that transparency. If everybody knows how they want to be referred to, and in meetings, I ask people, it's part of my... The Invisible Agenda, Dale, which begins with, would you like a cup of tea? People often, going back to that, people often say no. And I say, actually, I'm going to have one. And they go, oh, go on then. Yeah, this idea of using the names of people as they want to be addressed is brilliant. Something that I've thought about recently, which I think is quite interesting and has had quite positive feedback. With special needs children, we often do a one-page profile to find out yep. about the child before the child comes into school or we do them annually to find out about the child. Do you know what? Why don't we do a one-page profile about the parents? How do you want to be addressed? When would be the best time for you to have a meeting? What is your preferred style of communication? Would you rather have face-to-face, -face, phone call, Zoom or email? And I talk to my colleagues and we're all different. Do you know what? We're, we are. we're all so different. And actually, by having that written down in some format, we could say actually to our colleague who's going to have a meeting, do you know what? Mrs. So-and-so I know would prefer an email or would prefer, they're working full-time, any meetings we have, they would prefer a Zoom at their lunchtime. They say, if we can, can we do that? So that is something that I'm pondering at the moment because that's a little thing. But that makes a big difference. And then we don't have to keep asking the same questions to the parents. So that's something I'm considering at the moment, which I'm getting good feedback from. I was about to say, one of the things you could do, so we talked about that when they come and visit your school, you obviously won't know. But if this is a child at your school and the parents been there for a while, then literally, before you even go into the meeting, having the parents' names on a piece of paper, just literally going, um, Tammy, so if I call you Tammy, in fact, you know their name, you're like, Oh, I'm not just another parent. You know me. That's an immediate icebreaker. And you can sit there and check, can I call you Tammy? Sort of thing. And it's just a great, you're putting the effort in. And I think the same when you have this initial meeting, the first meeting with the parents. And I do that. I write the parent's name and the child's name. Because actually, oh, has anyone ever been in that position where you actually go to a meeting and you meet the parent? And you can't remember the child's name. How awkward is that? So knowing the parent's name, what they want to be referred to, checking the children's name as well, and actually finding out something about the child as soon as a parent comes through the door or if the child comes with them, addressing the child. These are things that most people will do anyway, but sometimes I think we need a mental checklist, getting down to the child's level and having that yep. conversation with the child. When my child was going to primary school, I remember the school that addressed my son and the, the head teacher got down to my son's level and spoke to the child. I think what is coming out, isn't it? It's the little things that make the big difference and they build the connection and make the whole picture, don't they? Yeah. I remember visiting a school. Um, we visited three schools looking for my daughter and we chose the one where we, I think we had a tour with the children, which was genius because the year sixes show you round. So you get to see it from a child's point of view, what they love. So that was genius. And then when we got back, it wasn't thank you. It was come into my office. And we sat down at the table in the head teacher's office. And she says, right, so tell me about you. And it was just one of those things where she was a very busy person. She's a head teacher, 
but she made time for us. And that was just literally compared to every other school we've been to, those two things just stood out as a huge difference. We're like, they get it. They understand. They've really presented their school in the best way with the children showing us and then the teacher just going, so what do you think? And just talking about the children, talking about the school, finding out about us and just having a bit of time. And then sometimes you are really busy. You're teachers. You are all very, very busy. You've always, I think when those parents come in, you've got to do the swan thing, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to come along. It doesn't matter what's going on at that door where you're running as mad. As soon as you kind of meet them, you've got to be like a swan. You've got to be, I have lots of time for you. We can go through this. We can find out. We can work out where we've got to do and do all of this stuff. And it's got to be real. Anything can be done is what, how you need to make them feel. I think you have to say anything can be done, but there has to be a truth. Yeah. There has to be the truth because it is so important that they do trust us and that from the onset say what we can do and what is going to be more difficult or something that we need to look into more. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to listen to it all and rather than, well, we can't do that in the first three minutes. It's more like you get to that later on. Before you, you want to sit there and go, so I've got to stop you there. There's, um. You don't want to do that. You literally got to listen and find out. And their perceptions of what they have want, need, or expect are going to go for, come from all their experiences. You kind of need to um, unpick that. So why do you believe that? You haven't met the child at this point. You're just going what the parent feels or thinks. And, and it is a lot of time it is for a parent. It's a whole huge complicated world they're finding out about. Previous setting might not have been great, which is why they're coming to you. So it's lots of things you've got to work out and pick through it all and find out kind of what they want and kind of listen to it all. And then at the end, you, I would do a something at the end, you sit there and go, cool. And then you explain, because that way they've had a chance to let it all out and they've listened and then you, they're on your side. And then when you sit there going, realistically, this is what we can offer. To get to here, don't say no, to get to here, we would need to be able to do this. So they might not have any HCP yet. Then that might be, we'll have a look at doing that. But as you said, you've got to manage their expectations, but you don't want to be going, you're not having that. Can't do that. Can't you want to do that. You've got to listen to it all and get that. And then give that explanation at the end of what is currently possible with the situation they're in and you're in and where you can go from there. And I also think if it is a meeting where the Senko is there with the parents, it's also a case of saying, actually i need to talk to my head teacher as well about this to ensure that everybody in the school has a full picture and then to agree a time for another meeting or that you will get in touch with them either by phone call or so that this is the start of the journey because i think often there needs to be time to consider for both parents and the school. And I always say to parents, have you looked around any of the schools? Do go and look around other schools because actually you need to find the right school for your child. And do you know what? If on this occasion my school isn't the right school, do you know what, Dale? That's absolutely fine because my role is to ensure that each child gets the right environment for their needs and i think parents find that actually quite refreshing because this is us this is what we are there are other schools that can offer different things because of the different size of the schools so go and have a look i say it's a bit like a wedding dress you'll know when you found the right one not for me i've never really <laughs> done wedding dress shopping no, hopefully i ever will it is important that there is that go and look at other schools And actually, when you get in the car or when you speak to somebody else about this visit, you will have so many questions. I'm on the end of the phone. Give me a ring. Email me because you will have so many more questions as soon as you leave the door. Yeah. You've done it twice. I meant to mention after the first time you've done, you said two things, which I think are also very, very crucial. You're not supposed to have every answer. That's an important thing. Some people feel that they should have every answer and they will try and answer questions like they know it. And you either will get caught out because the parent who's done loads of research has all this and you're saying stuff and they're going, no, which can lead to a really bad situation. But I also think generally if someone says, I don't know, 
you're like going, wow, that's, that's quite honest of you. And um, Carrie and Dave, who are the pop coaches, yep. Yep. they have children, they, they do lots of talking. And, and they've done an amazing talk when they sat there and go, parents and Senkos work together. So the Senkos can learn from the parents and the parents can learn from the Senkos. It's not the Senko is supposed to know everything. It's actually, you might know something about autism, but this child's autism is unique and you can only learn that from the child and the parents. So you don't have to know everything. You can say, I don't know about that yet. We'll look into that or I'm not sure. And again, going saying, I can't answer that now. I need to check with the head. It's great because that way, if you just give me an answer and, you've, I'm not, and I'm not quite sure on something else you said, I won't really believe you. Yes. Yeah, we can do that. I'm going, hmm, that's interesting. I'll check that with the head. It's like, well, okay, now I know I'm going to get the real answer. If you're checking with the head and I get an answer back, then that is a definite, not just you trying to sell me and get me into the school or things like that, or saying anything to make me happy or to get out of the meeting. Things like that saying, I don't know, is a huge thing. Yeah. And I, huge. I always say, I know what I know, and I'll find out what I don't know. An example of this was I had a parent came to see me, and their child had specific needs. And I said, this is not something that I've got expertise in, but I will find out about it. And I looked it up and I, I bought a book I read up about it and the next time we had the meeting I went oh my goodness I understand this so much more I could see that the parents were genuinely really pleased because I'd read up about it and then in the meeting with the class teacher the class teacher went Ginny actually I'll have a read of that book and then there was a book actually that was suitable for the parents to read to the child, which I'd also bought. They were like, can we have that book? And so it's just like you say, just being honest. And I think also on that point, there have been times in my time as a, as a Senko when I have been challenged by a parent and I have said, I can't disagree with what you're saying because actually on this occasion, you are right i can't disagree and they go okay and i say right this is what i'm proposing that we will do now and it's really interesting and on that same point have you ever had the spiky email the really spiky email from a parent and you get the spiky email and you just become spiky okay and then your immediate response is your scales go up and you become spiky Okay, so I've had that. I think we've all had that. Let that email percolate. Let it go. Let's just get a bit of, go for a walk. Just have a cup of tea, Dale. Have a cup of tea in a tunnocks. And maybe don't go around telling everybody about it because everybody will kind of be on your side. So sometimes just let yourself just put it into a perspective. Have a look what time it was written. Actually, we are the end of the falling dominoes. We don't know what has happened before that. We don't know the conversations that have happened at home. And in the end, we end up being, as the dominoes fall, we get the fallout. And I've had that spike email. And then I've taken my brave pill and I've thought, I'm going to have a phone call. I'm not going to reply with an email. Spiky email equals spiky email if you're not careful and they can be misconstrued phone call oh my goodness i have the phone call and it puts it into context for everyone i had one of these conversations and i i rang home and the parents said can i put the other parent on as well they're having their porridge at the moment they're having their breakfast i said yes you know an auditorium it's fine and actually we had the conversation and the spiky email was as a result of lots of different things. And that was when I said, I can't disagree, but shall we do this, this and this? Thanks, Ginny, thanks for your time. Thanks for ringing us. We've just kind of, the phone call has stopped all the emails. Is that making sense to you, yeah. You're kind of nodding. I'm nodding. I'm thinking of, I work here at B Square and we get lots of spam emails from companies, from magazines, from people trying to advertise to us. And you know, you just get these emails and then one day someone just sends an email and you're just, you've got to that point where you're fed up and you're just like keyboard warrior mode engaged. 
click my fingers, <laughs> off I went. And I was, I was, I wasn't rude. I was, I go sarcastic. He actually asked me, what would your ideal advertising space be? We've done so much research that no one actually reads most of these magazines because you haven't got time. So I said something like, uh, um, I did advertising spaces one millimeter one by one millimeter, as I find this is the uh, area that most recycling depots prefer. So I'd obviously just completely insulted his magazine and just, re- and um, I sent this off. He won't ever respond. And uh, he did respond two days later. He got my email. It wasn't a mass email. It might have been, but he got my response. He read it and he saw the red mist. He had to get up and leave the office. He, I made My email made him so angry. Whoa. But his email was nothing wrong with his email. But his email was just the 30th one I'd received that week. So I just went, oh, I've had enough of these and let rip. But it wasn't in a rude, it wasn't leave me alone, how dare you, I'm going to quote GDPR. It was just, I think what you're doing for me is worthless. So it's kind of a bit, bit rude. And, and he went for it. And he came back two days later and went, I was really angry by your email. And he told me he left the room. He then told me when he read it again, he then laughed. There you go. So when he came back, he actually read it kind of as obviously he, this is where that empathy comes in. He'd obviously realized from me saying this, actually he'd had lots of this. And we ended up had a nice email exchange after that. But his email came at a bad time. I was busy. I was getting spam emails. And I let, not in a rude way, but I just went, let it out. And that empathy thing, that is a huge. So let's start because I found out um, one of my colleagues here didn't know what empathy was. So we were having a conversation. I went, you really cannot empathize, can you? He just looked at me and went, I said, empathy, what's that? What's that? I said, go look it up. And he just, he just came back to me and went, yeah, no, no, never heard of that. No, can't do it. So he completely oblivious to the term empathy, completely oblivious to it. And he's watched some interactions where we had someone complain about us and we had a spiky email hit us. And generally you sit there and I'm like, oh, it's a school we know. Let's go down there. And we went down to the school and they literally, they let rip with all their issues. And I responded by saying, thank you. And it just went, went, what? I said, thank you for your, for telling me all of this. And they're like, I don't understand. We're complaining at you. I went, yeah, but you didn't just leave us. The fact you sent an email and got us down here and we're having the meeting with the three of you means actually you really like what we do. But in certain areas, it wasn't as good as it could have been, and you want it to be better. And they all went, yeah, so this is what we're going to do. And it completely diffused the situation. So that empathy, so when you get that spiky email, as you said, you're, you're, you will go, you'll get enraged. You'll get the Hulk, and off you'll go. But you've got to sit there and go, why would I send an email like that? What has got me to the point to send an email? And sometimes it might just be one of those really bad weeks. And then that one little bit happened and that was the cherry on top. That was the thing which broke the camel's back. That's the thing which just, all the other things, there could be nothing to do with the school, but that was the bit that happened. Also, the other things, you mentioned about you're you're often the last domino. The other problem is Senkos, you are, I'm going to call you the receptionist for special needs. Every other support people seem to be behind the Senko your education, your health, your care, anything like that goes wrong, you seem to take it out on the Senko. Your Senko is that person you can contact, you see every day, and you can let rip about everything else that is failing. Even if the Senko is not, you can't, parents often feel like they're letting rip because that's their point of contact. So sometimes when they're letting rip, it's nothing going on in the school. It could be other aspects. And I think that's right. And I think what you brought up is a really interesting point, the fact that we are a special needs coordinator, like yep. we have a maths coordinator. So the special yep. needs coordinator is helping things run smoothly, but a maths coordinator wouldn't plan all the maths lessons. So the special needs coordinator isn't doing all the special needs. The people I work with are amazing, and I am the go-to. But what is so important is 
I would never, ever say that we were going to do something in school with the parents without talking to the class teacher and going, right, actually, what would work for you in the classroom on a day-to-day -day basis? So another triangle, I'm into triangles today, Dale. So it's the triangulation between the parents, the class teacher and the Senko. And too often, you're right, the Senko, by their role, can end up talking to the parents without the class teacher being there. So it's really important when we're talking about meetings, actually yeah. the class teacher is pivotal in that. And often the class teachers in my schools, they have the meetings with the parents. Sometimes they invite me and sometimes they don't invite me, but they are always part of the communication. And sometimes I'll go, Ginny, can you go to this meeting? Because we're going to be talking about EHCPs. We're going to be talking about funding and that's your thing that's your skill. And also another thing with meetings, we also sometimes have the teaching assistants in. Why not have the people who often work with those children in the meetings? We had a brilliant EHCP meeting the other day. The teaching assistant was in the meeting with the parents because actually, once again, it's that transparency. And I'm very much about flattening the hierarchy. So actually, there isn't anybody at the top we'll have another triangle there shall we dale but there isn't anyone because we communicate across everybody yeah everybody communicates across and another thing is i often talk about the parents they are educating the educators because they yep. are the people who know their children best and it's about saying what do you think or have you got any guidance? Have you read anything? Can you give me something to read? And the parents are phenomenal and they are brilliant. They go, Ginny, actually, there's this, there's this, there's this. I have amazing parents who give me links to resources, to training, to all of those different things because they are the experts about their child. They are the experts. If we're going to put in any intervention for a child, we need to say to the parents, what do you think? A prime example is we often have sensory boxes in school for children, right? Yeah. And if you go on the internet, you can buy all of these sensory toys and whatever. I've learned the best sensory toys for children are those things that their parents identify. And then we have that liaison between home and school. And they are things I would never have thought because they know their children. They know their sensory needs and I would never have chosen those items to put in this special box. An example I've got is a child who's, one of the parents works very long hours. They don't see the parent as much as they would like. So they've had, listen to this, a crocheted parent made for the child that is a sensory toy oh. for the child. Nearly makes me cry when I talk about it. And that is, how amazing is that? That is a link from home to, to school home. in that special box for that child that just brings, you said the word comfy earlier on, and I love that word. Actually, it's about children feeling safe, secure. Let's throw the word comfy in there. And actually, it's just yep. that whole seamlessness, I think, the seamlessness between home and school. And I had a meeting with a parent and I said, you've mentioned this crocheted parent, the crocheted parent, there you go, name of the book. Is there any way that that could come in with your child as part of their sensory box? And they were so pleased and they were like, oh my goodness, yes, we'll do that. So it all comes down to home, school, the Senko, the teachers and everybody who works with that child and the outside agents. I have amazing outside agents. I give them a cup of tea as well, Dale. They come back, but I'm going to provide tunnocks now. But once again, the agents talk to the parents. They talk to me. It's just a, a wonderful kind of dot to dot for the child. And the, the child is in the middle. And the word comfy, I talk about the comfort blanket. We provide the comfort yeah. blanket with the child in the centre. So I'm just going to pick on that the sensory box bit. When you buy a sensory box, you're buying a box off the internet, which is a 
scientifically proven to be good in century. Yes. However, every child's unique. And those parents are doing it trial and error. So my daughter, uh, when she was young, you know the muslins, yeah. little yeah. babies have, she must, she must, she had yeah. muzzy. That lasted quite a long time in our house. But only ones with certain labels. She would sit there, you know, just rubbing the label in her fingers. It had to be one of those satiny labels. Whereas if we had some of them with the coarser ones, she literally would never touch them. So she learned over time what she liked and we learn over time. So yeah, when it comes to sensory, ask the parents, they will tell you all the stuff. And not only that, it's got to be this one with this, with this made between 1993 and 1990. They will tell you very specifically, this is what works. Uh, could save so much time for you as a Senko, save so much issues because actually you've got the right stuff from the beginning because the parents have just helped you. And we learn all the time. So I had a child years ago who liked ribbons. And initially we gave her a basket with all different ribbons in, all different textures, all different. We found the one that she liked. And then I went to a well-known art store and I bought meters and meters of a one color ribbon that she liked. She liked that color. She liked that texture. And then I would cut the ribbon into 10 centimeter lengths, right? And she would have that. And when she lost it, we gave her another one, which was exactly the same. So she, but it yep. didn't matter if the ribbon went awry because she could always have the same one. And I have, I do have a little box of ribbon. And the lovely thing is all the children, I'm like the Mary Poppins of ribbon. Any child, when I go around my schools, if I'm giving out ribbon, they'll go, oh, can I have the um, aqua blue? Can I have the aqua blue? And I go, can I have a bit for my sister? Yeah, yeah. So we are giving out these things. They don't cost much money. And yet children have got the colour that they like for a reason. And actually, uh, colours is another thing we could talk about. I made a, a sensory box for a child once I found out the colour that they liked, you know, because there was a particular colour they liked for whatever reason. But the idea of a child being able to have a sensory, not really a toy, is it, even a ribbon, and it doesn't matter if that gets lost because they can have another one. We, we literally had to find the right muzzies. That would, that took quite a while. We even tried one of those. Um, you have tag blankets, yeah. which are like got the little labels around the edge. No, it wasn't the same. Had to be. So we, I think we, we ended up with three. Those lasted years, those yeah. three, we had to carry them through. They got worse and worse, but we got there. And the other, the um, other thing is, just to say about sensory things, the parent, the homeschool liaison, the little things make the biggest difference. A parent said to me, yeah. my child finds it really difficult doing buttons. I said, pair of grey tracksuit buttons? They were like, can we? I went, yes, you can. And that gave that child so much more independence because he didn't have to worry about that. And actually, that mother could have hugged me. She said, you don't know the difference you've made. Wow. Wow. And it's such a small change that... Overall, the impact, yes, it might not look the perfect in the school photo. He might not be the perfect image as you walk down. But that literally, that's the negative image. Everything else is positive, and it so outweighs Absolutely. those negatives. Right, so I'm just going to go just move this conversation on. So we're talking about empathy, and we've talked about those communications and just trying to think about why this parent sent the email. But one thing I, I want to talk about, and my sister's, my sister's got three boys with autism and ADHD and tribunals and annual. So she's having all those meetings. And I've been in um, some of these with her. And my sister is phenomenal. She is. She is a phenomenal person. She's incredibly intelligent, strong, passionate, amazing. And you see her prepare for these meetings. She has all the paperwork. She's highlighting. She's got the code of practice. She's an armed lady. And she goes into this meeting. And then what happens is someone will just say something like, yeah, I don't, basically, I'm going to summarize it to, I don't think your son's worth doing that for. They might say, well, we don't have the funding. But that's not what you as a parent hear. When you say something like, yeah, we're not going to do that. If you were, um, if you were in a school and you said, oh, you said to the person, do we have the budget for this? And they said, no. You're like, oh. When you're saying to a parent, 
And the parent says, do you have the budget to help my child read? And you're going, no, that is not a, just a money thing. That is a personal, that is, it can be seen as very much as an attack on their child, that their child isn't worth it. So I, my sister will go into this meeting. She's prepared. She's got all the paperwork next to her. She starts talking. So, and then I can't remember what it was, but the Senko, who wasn't a great Senko said something. And I was like, I'm looking forward to what my sister's going to respond with because my sister's great at this. And I looked to the left and she was just crying five, 10 minutes into the meeting. She was gone. So all the prep work that she'd done, like you would do going to a professional meeting just was obliterated by one comment about her child and all that preparation my sister had done had gone. She couldn't then, then actually go, this is what I wanted to talk through because her train of thought has everything about all that preparation had just gone out the window. And from that moment, my sister was on the back foot trying to manage her emotions so she could try and discuss, but it was absolutely ruined. So when you do have these meetings, yes, to every person in that room, this is a professional meeting apart from the parents. This is not a professional meeting. This is a meeting that is going to affect their child's whole life from that moment on. It's going to affect the home life of that family. It's going to affect that family, time, emotion, financially for the next 40, 50 years. So when they say, I need this, they're not just saying, I'd like a shiny color pen or I'd like an aquamarine ribbon. They're asking for something which is going to make a difference for their child's entire life. So when you're saying no, think about how to phrase that. And sometimes you might have to use the words, I cannot disagree. However, this is the law. This is the policy I have to follow. Because you don't always have to agree with that policy. You can be on the parent's side saying, I completely agree with you, but actually in this situation, there's nothing I can do because of this. And then explain what the options are. And that's a big thing is don't just say no, don't just dismiss, don't just say that. In some of these meetings, these parents are on the very, very edge and they go over the edge emotionally from just what a few words can be said that if you just said in a budget meeting, you would say it in that way. And if you say it in the same way in the annual review meeting, you are going to rip the heart of that person straight out their chest. So really think about what is the impact of not doing this to that family. I think, and also it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And, and I come back to, yep. I, I would say I am quite an emotional person. And sometimes I have to go to the logos, to the logic. And people sometimes in meetings actually do need the logic and then we understand why. I think what worries me is when you haven't got a Senko and home who are working together, there should not be a hierarchy. This is a team. What we need for our children to strive now and for the future is we need to have that feeling that everybody is on a par with one another and once we get that and once we get the transparency and the trust then we don't have the boundaries that brick wall came down in that meeting for your sister and it came down and she would not feel listened to anymore in that meeting and that upsets me so much because she would come out of that meeting feel she hadn't done her child justice because she had allowed the barrier to come down so then she would go home and feel bad about herself in my yep. ideal so i had a meeting i had to have a meeting with the lea the parent and i had a pre-meeting okay so the parent and i had a pre-meeting and she said to me what unfortunately happened to your sister we could hope wouldn't happen. She said, Ginny, I want us to have a pre-meeting so that we're exactly on the same wavelength. 
she said, because I don't want to let you down and I don't want to let myself down and I don't want to let my son down. So we had the pre-meeting and I said, I'm there. So if you find it difficult to say something, I will be able to speak for you. Guess what, Dale? She didn't need me to speak at all because I was there if she needed me. I was her voice. That's what it comes back to, doesn't it? It's about the parents and the Senko being together, being the same voice. Well, you, I don't think you've probably ever uttered the word, which is probably uttered in two, or the phrase which is uttered in too many schools around the country. Well, he doesn't do that in school. We don't see any of that. So there's not a problem. Those are the phrases which are, again, would just immediately alienate a parent and that Senko. My uh, other sister's boys, we learn, we're working out where he is and where he needs his support. And um, that sister's been struggling on how to have these meetings, the language you to use, the fact you've got to say, he's not hiding it, he's masking. You've got to use the correct terminology with certain schools and so my other sister's been supporting her, which is great because she's been through it all. She's got the experience and she went into a meeting and she was able to sit there and say, give them really clear information. But they kept saying, well, we don't see that in school. So there's not a problem. It must be the home. That's the problem. And that is one time is where if it's Senko and a parent to be on the same page and to be a team, you've got to believe each other and listen to each other. When you're, you've got parents saying, I've got huge issues, and I see this on Senko groups going, I've seen somebody say on a Senko group, I've got a child who's a wonderful in school, but they're really struggling at home and it's a nightmare. So what resources can I do to help mum? Everyone just responded, it's probably the school that's causing the issue. You just haven't worked out what the issue is and they're masking it and then unloading at home. So they might not see it in school, but you've got to find out you can't just dismiss it. You've got to do your research and work out when is it happening? What's the worst bit at home? Is it Sunday night, the day before school and things like that? And for my, ne for my nephew, it's whenever you mention the word, the big right, that's a big trigger for him. Anxiety comes along and things like that. So there are certain things and there's a really obvious pattern, but the school are just dismissing it. It's, I think it's all about accepting. When we have meetings as Senkos and parents say things, we accept and we are not judgmental that we go and we find the patterns it's really important Del, what you're saying okay let's see could it be because and children do mask at school sometimes because they want to they want to conform it's a russian doll analogy so the the outside yep. of the russian doll they can at times conform and then when you get to the middle of the russian doll nearer the middle because a parent's love one would hope is unconditional, that they then, they are tired, they go home, they've had enough because they have conformed at, at school. So then we break it back down and we go, right, actually, what days is this happening? Okay, and we see patterns and patterns are so important. And a lot of my work is getting patterns identified and to see, oh my goodness, and then you have the dialogue with the parents and suddenly, you have that light bulb moment and you go, oh, I had a parent. And he said to me, oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, that's when it is. Why didn't we see that? And I was like, well, because unless we write it all down, we wouldn't see it. So it's all about that work. Once again, working together and accepting, not dismissing, you know. And yeah. if there are differences between home, home and school, you know, what avenues can we go down to support parents? And sometimes it is signposting, but it's, it is just about being human, listening to understand. And parents know yep. that when they come in, they are going to be listened to. And there isn't a judgment because actually it's all about working together. Well, we've been talking for about 50 minutes, so it's time to wrap it up. Big thank you for coming on the show today, Ginny. Ginny's given me some links to share. So we've mentioned that Logos, Ethos, Pathos, and the Rhetorical Triangle. So I've got that. I've got uh, a book by Dr. Andrew Curran. I've got a book 
by Jamel Ziki for War of Kindness. Dr. Andrew Zoe is a little bit of big stuff about the brain, so it's how the brain works, which looks actually really cool. I was having a look at that last night. Um, and also Breen Brown, her work on yes, empathy. Yes, so Brené Brown, if you have anybody who wants Brené to know Brown. about empathy, she has got uh, – there's a brilliant cartoon, and it's all about – when people are feeling very down, it's as if they're in the bottom of a very deep, dark hole, and we have to choose to climb down and walk along with them in their shoes. Hence, hashtag follow the empathy road and my little red shoes, Dale. It's all about us walking in the shoes of other people. There was, I must tell you, there was an amazing art exhibition I think it was in America, and you put on headphones and you heard somebody's story, and as you listen to that person's story, you actually put on that person's shoes and you walked around the art gallery in that person's shoes and you found out about their story. And I think that is what we're talking about, walk in other people's shoes. If you want to find out more about me, I am at ginnybootman.com. Follow the Empathy Road. I will be sharing your contact details with everyone, whether you like it or not, Ginny. So I'm sharing those. You'll see those all in the show notes so you can get in contact with Ginny. So big thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. You can find links to subscribe across all the different podcast platforms on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. And please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are The Sendcast. And if you listen to us through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and let others know what you think. Uh, before you go, I'd just like to remind you to check out the Training for Education website. You'll find a number of guests on The Sendcast are speakers at our virtual Send conferences, or they have recorded their own training courses. Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND, not just the SENCO, that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And as an exclusive gift to SENCAST listeners, you can get 10% discount on the virtual SEND conferences, future or past, by using the code SENCAST10. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Sencast. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye and from goodbye. Senko Girl. <laughs> <laughs>